Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. It's so good to be here. Um, I love this time of year. Christmas for me is, is exceptionally special. Uh, not just only because of the meaning, the message um, of Jesus, but I love gifts. really just love gifts. Um, I have no problem with it. We got our first Christmas present this morning, so it was so good. Um, I nearly, nearly went um, on stage with my red thongs on this morning, but I figured I better not. Um, yeah, so we're here this morning. I'm really, really excited about it. For me to be able to preach here is, is precious. Um, this is home church. You would have heard Shays and I speak about it a lot. Church is family to us. And, oh, what? I thought it was done during worship. It's not. Anyway, we're going to get through this. Um, no tears. Yeah, it, it is such a pleasure to be able to deliver this message this morning. Um, I get to share my journey with you. I get to speak into what I'm believing for is going to become your journey. And a specific pleasure is I'm hoping, I'm believing, and I'm trusting that this message shifts our church. And I love that. I really do love that, that I get to be part of it. The downside is that if it goes wrong, there's nowhere to hide. I've got to come back next Sunday. <laughs> but we're going to ignore that one. So this morning is a message that is very much a story uh, about me, my wife. And then we plug in the scripture. Um, but I want to take you on a bit of a journey. I'm going to give you a bit of insight about myself and then we're going to plug it into what it means for this church and what God has specifically designed for this message this morning. So about 16 years ago, I woke up one Sunday morning um, completely out of the blue. Felt, got a church. Now, to put this in context, um, we weren't a church-going family. I had no church-going mates. Didn't have a Christian influence that I knew of, and yet I woke up that morning and figured, need to go to church. What I now know is that that was the prompting of the Holy Spirit that I didn't know existed. That morning I woke up, picked up the phone, phoned a mate that I'd spent most of the day and probably that night out with, and I said, Mikey, I need to, I need to get to a church. Do you know one? He said, yeah, just down the road from, from my house, there's a church. Went there a couple of years ago, and his words were, I actually don't know if it's still there. But this is where it is. It was school hall. I arrived that evening alone, not knowing anybody, but I knew that I needed to do this thing. Within a couple of months, I'd invited Jesus into my life. Within 18 months, I'd not only met my amazing wife, but we were engaged, and I'm going to cry again. This is not good. And we got married. Needless to say, God had worked so radically in that time in my life that I just knew that he had this moment prepared for me. The fact that it's today I will get into, but I knew that he had something in, in store for my life. I knew that I would lead in, within the church. I knew I probably would, te would teach, and perhaps one day that I would actually preach a message on a Sunday. And today is it. Fortunately, and we've been married for 14 years in April. Fortunately for those 14 years, we both knew Jesus. 
because he walked that journey with us. And I know that through those times, not only within my marriage, but within my life, that he was with us because grace fell upon my life. And, and Shay has showed me so much patience and grace during that time that I knew God had good things, that God had big things. And today the message is not about me. It may be a story that is from me, but good things and big things is the message that I'm wanting to deliver in here this morning. So I share this as just a real surface level of, of who we are, who I am as an individual, because I feel that you really get to make an impact in somebody's life when they know a little bit about you. You may not know a lot about me, but you've heard a little bit of my story. And when there's that level of engagement, suddenly there's an extra element of depth and there's an extra element of trust. And so I'm hoping that you can just hold on to that as you journey through this message with me this morning. And if I achieve one thing, it's that I get to shift some of you from one point to the next. I am, however, believing for a whole lot more and that we get to shift the church this morning. Right now, before I pray into my message, I just want to honor Pastor Sam and Caroline. What? Yeah. I want to honor them because they are so cautious yet deliberate on giving people opportunity. An opportunity for people to stand up here and preach to a congregation that they are very much part of growing and leading, and I'd like to honor you for that. I also want to thank all of you, the congregation of City Point Redcliffe, because this is an amazing family, an amazing community, and Shay and I love the fact that we get to do this, so thank you very, very much. So during the course of this year, in fact, I'm going to hold off on that. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, may you just move us today. May you walk through this message with me and with your people, Lord, that today we get to move towards taking background for you. That today, Jesus, we take a significant move towards helping, your, helping redeem your people back to you that decisions today become actions tomorrow, that become a transformational shift in the generation. Holy Spirit, use me today to deliver your call, to deliver your message according to your purpose this morning, Lord. Father, may I just be receptive to your prompting. I know we've planned this and we've worked this, Lord, but may I just be open to, to what additional information, what additional messages you're wanting to deliver this morning. Yeah, Father, amen. So during the course of this year, I've been, I've been thinking about our church. My personality is about progress. My personality is about looking at something and say, how do we take this further? And so my conversation with God, because that's generally how I do it, is throughout my day, fairly frequently, I'm sitting and touching base with God and saying, okay, Lord, what about this? What about that? And then I have deep moments where I push really hard into God in moments of worship, I want to hear from him. But in this particular instance, it's just been one of those conversations where it's, Lord, okay, how do we grow? How do we grow City Point Redcliffe? Not for numbers' sake, but growth for life change's sake. Like, how do we shift our peninsula 
that people want to move into here because they know the Holy Spirit dwells in this place? How do we shift this place so that people say, I want to be part of that community because I need a community? I don't know what they've got. I don't know this Jesus, perhaps, but I want to be part of what it is that they've got. How do we grow our church that that is what we achieve? And as God does, he was completely silent on the matter, which is awesome. (laughs) Not really. Not really awesome, but yes, he was silent on it. And so for about four months, the first four months of this year, I asked the same question over and over again. It wasn't a burden. It was just, Lord, how do we grow? One day, he answered and he very clearly said, you will grow your numbers through your influence. You being not me, you. You being the church, a body of believers. So I've learned one thing with God, that you can't rush him. And that doesn't sit well with my personality. I want stuff to be done today. Like if it's not done, it should have been done yesterday. But today, this is my personality. I've got to go and achieve. So God, you've given me this message. Now let me go. Let us go and achieve it. Again, not me. Us, the church. It doesn't work with God. And, and whilst, whilst that's not something that I've said sits comfortably with me, um, one thing that I have learned is that it's probably blessed. Best to... Best, blessed. You best, blessed to wait for God. Yeah. Not good to make things up on the fly. But even still, God remains silent. So we're sitting for the first half of the year. We've pushed into the second half of the year. God's been silent. He's just given me that one sentence. I've kept it to myself, haven't spoken to anybody, shared it with Shays, and then it started to burn. And then Sam phoned. About three months ago, Sam phoned and said, do you want to preach? And I didn't have to think about it. I've told you about the walk that I've had. That's 16 years worth of knowing that at some stage this was going to land. Didn't even have to think about it. And in fact, there's been very little nervousness. I didn't think about the tears, but there's been very little nervousness. (laughs) Because I knew that today would happen. In fact, about nine years ago, God gave me this message. He gave me the message and I I, I wrote it up. Shays and I have been involved in a church plant in South Africa. My best mate was the pastor. I shared it with him. He still didn't get me up to preach. I think he knew something that I didn't and that's all good. So nine years ago, it's been there. The fact is that I had that message very mixed up. And though I had what I thought was the content and that content sat there for years. The only thing that's changed, not the content, but the perspective, and God's timing, and God's growth in me. So my message today involves Moses, the Israelites, a couple of miracles here and there. Uh, A lot of you know that's Exodus. Today, a portion of our message is preaching on the Exodus. The only thing is that my message you get to exclude a list of things. So just, you can ignore these. Moses' upbringing, his speech impediment. You can ignore the miracles that God worked. You can ignore the fact that God parted the seas, there were giants. You guys are sitting and saying, you're not getting another gig because that is the Exodus message. You can't say I'm preaching about Exodus and then not preach Exodus. We're going to get into some text shortly. But before I get there, 
For nine months, that message has sat, that content has sat on a Word document on my computer. In the last two months, although God had been silent for almost a decade, in the last two months, God has started to speak to me about that message. And he showed me that what I'd prepared, what I'd written up, that what I wanted to preach was my message. What I speak today is God's message. It has very little to do with me. My message had a whole lot of similarities, the context between the Exodus message and my life. It was a very strong parallel. Strong calling, not exactly Moses. But when I, go, when I gave my life to God, God's hands held me like this. Extremely real. So it was a call. I'm no Moses, but I've got a huge number of weaknesses. I had a 20s that weren't terrible, but that probably should have disqualified me from being up here. I would have spoken about many miracles. A couple that I know where God saved my life before I even knew him. So many more that I know that I don't know existed. I could speak about the parting of seas that I walked through, the parting of seas that I didn't walk through, and many giants, most of which I ran away from. Some I faced and then ran away, and a couple that I overcome, overcame. I had a message, but it was mixed up. So we're going to read. So behind me you're going to see Exodus 6, verses 7 and 8. But I'm going to read a couple of sections just prior to 7, so we can get a little bit of context, we can see what God's really saying. So Exodus 6, verse 1, the Lord told Moses, now you're about to see what I'll do to Pharaoh. Indeed, he'll send them out under compulsion, and he'll drive them out of his land violently. Later, God told Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, and did I not reveal them my name, Lord? I also established a covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land where they lived as resident aliens for a time. Also, I heard the groaning of the Israelis, whom the Egyptians had forced to labor for them, and I've remembered my covenant. Therefore, tell the Israelis, I am the Lord. I'll bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I'll deliver you from their bondage. I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a great axe of judgment. And we're going to get into seven and eight. I'll take you for my own people, and I'll be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I'll bring you to the land that I swore to give you to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I'll give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. When you read that, has God not promised that he will take us for his own people. Has he not promised us a promised land? Like, let's not forget, he hasn't said this is a promised land and it's perfect. He's just promised us our promised land. He's prepared it for us. So if we read 7 again, I'll take you for my own people and I'll be your God. Let's look at this from a book of Romans because if when I read that, I read Israelites. I'm not an Israelite. Romans 10, verse 12, 13. 
Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we read those two verses, one from Exodus, one from Romans. One speaks about people, and we unpack that word people with the context of Romans. He doesn't say you and not you, you, not you. He says people, my people, Jew and Gentile. That is everybody. But it's everybody who calls on the Lord. Nine years down the line, almost a decade of sitting on this message, and with my attention focused on my Exodus message, God has moved me from being called up, caught up in miracles, deficiencies, failings. He's moved me from being focused on what God is going to deliver at the end point. And if I'm honest, when I looked at, at Exodus, Exodus and I studied Exodus, I sat for, for 16 years almost saying, Lord, what does my promised land look like? We see in this verse that it's about a people that are moving. Moving from one point to the next. And then there's a story and there's a context. My story was completely focused on me. And whilst that was my positioning, God was not going to use this message. Exodus is a journey for those people, for us people, for me, and for people who are not in here that are God's people, that he still wants to call his name. So today I'll ask you, is your Exodus message wrapped up in your story? Or for one that God has written for your life? Is it wrapped up in a story that is preventing you from going out and speaking the word to God's people who are yet to see his face know his name? Is your Exodus message holding you back from being the impact in somebody else's life today. That will restrict them, potentially, from seeing the face of God. Not everybody suddenly wakes up and says, I need to get to church. I'm willing to bet that most people actually need some kind of personal engagement. They see the face of Christ, or they just see something that is different, and then they ask the question. Without that interaction, they don't see God's face. They don't see that something is missing in, this, in their life. We cannot say with any certainty that people will independently find a path that leads them to Jesus. Yeah. And an easy reference to this, let's have a look at Exodus. Not up there, I don't know why I keep pointing to the screen. But if, if you actually unpack Exodus, out of the entire Israeli nation that left Egypt, At the time of them leaving Egypt, only three people over the age of 23 made the promised land. That's three people out of an entire nation that had one of the leaders of note in all history. And none of the people that were the decision makers, because you can have leaders, but you've also got decision makers. If decision makers are not going to be willing to be led by the leaders, the leaders can do nothing. Three people over the age of 23 made the promised land. I'm willing to bet that the entire level of decision makers didn't get there because of their own decisions. People don't just ordinarily 
find a path that leads them to Jesus. Leaders can only lead people who want to be led. And they can only lead people who then choose to be led. So, so far, this mixed up Exodus message is very little about Exodus. And as I've said, it's more about a people on a journey. And to explain the importance of this for our church, and as this message starts to come together, I need to step into a separate piece of scripture. The prodigal son. So what's a prodigal son for people that may not be familiar uh, with the scriptures? Well, you've got a father and two sons. You've got an elder and a, a, and a, a younger son. The younger son goes to dad and says, Dad, can I, have the, can I have my inheritance? You're not dead yet, but can I have the money? I want to go. Dad says, sure, gives him the money. He goes, spends the money. Has community around him. The money finishes, so-called community disappears. So not only is he is alone, but he feels alone. And he starts to contemplate this is not what life is. Goes back home. Dad welcomes him in, throws a celebration. The eldest son looks at this and says, this is not how it should work. Dad, what's going on here? You've given him the money. You've thrown a party. No surprises out of the prodigal son, that's not what I'm going to be focusing on. So we're going to read from Luke 15, 17 to 24. Behind me, you're going to see 22 to 24. And again, I'm going to start at 18 just to show you a little bit of context. So this is when the youngest son, money's gone. He's now contemplating, what do I do? I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But whilst he, was a still, whilst he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, ran and embraced him, kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his, on his hand and, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this, was my son was, for this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and found, and they began to celebrate. So for anybody who's not aware of this, this portion of text, this is Jesus speaking to the people of his time, explaining that it doesn't matter who you are and what you've done. There is always a celebration that waits for you when you come back. But for most this is probably kind of Christian 101. We know what this text says. We've read it, I don't know, maybe once, but probably 20, 30 times. When you've read it, what portion of the text jumps out to you? Until very recently, my eye has not spent much time on verse 22. Surely it's not the crux of what it is that the prodigal son's about. In fact, not even the entire section of text, but just the first seven words. But the father said to his servants. He then goes on to detail the celebration. But the servants were critical. 
If the servants weren't critical, it wouldn't be in the section of text. If the celebration and what followed from the servants' actions weren't critical, there wouldn't be two or three verses tell us, telling us exactly what they did. It would just be they celebrated. My son's come home, let's celebrate. The servants are critical. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. The fact that a calf had been fattened means the father had been preparing. He didn't say, servants go fatten the calf, let's wait a couple of weeks, and then bring it, we'll celebrate. The father knew his son would be returning. Hence, bring the fattened calf. This morning, you need to know the father's been preparing. We, the church, we are the Father's people. His plans are prepared. Somebody needs to enact them. Somebody needs to implement them. And then when people arrive at our front door, then we celebrate. Then we welcome. Then we love. Doesn't matter how much money's been blown. Doesn't matter how it's been blown. They're arriving back. We need to celebrate. And so as I begin pulling this message together, I need to show you not only the outworking of, of my message this morning. I need to show you how God has been preparing our church. And to do that, I just need to give you a slight recap so that you can see the context of what God is doing in our church, in you. You're, you're his servants. We are his people. So if he's been preparing the church... Know he's been preparing you. In late October, Pastor Carolina preached a message called Kingdom, Kingdom, Comrade. Part of that close was not only about supplying a meal for a friend or a community or loving on or serving or being there for. Part of that message was the critical element of showing them Jesus. Perhaps not bringing them all the way to Jesus, but showing them Jesus. So yes, cook the meal, take them the meal. Love on them, serve on them, but show them Jesus. And if you can, bring them into Jesus' world. The week after Pastor Carolina, Pastor Mark Mulherin delivered a message called Pour It Out. He read from 2 Kings 4. Elisha and a widow were having a conversation. The widow had a huge amount of debt, she was in her Egypt. She could not get out of it. Elisha came along and said, what do you have? Oh, no, nothing. Just a little jug of oil. Bring it. But now go to your community and go and fetch every empty vessel that you can find. He didn't say go and fetch gold from your community. He just said go and fetch an empty vessel. I'm willing to bet that we've got a couple of empty vessels. We may not have the gold, some of you may have the gold, bring that too. But I'm telling you that all of us have got an empty vessel. We'll take, we'll take your gold. <laughs> the story ends with that nothing but a jar of oil, filling up a whole lot of containers, every one that she could find. That got her out of her Egypt. 
So the widow's miracle flowed out of her nothing but this jar of oil. But the miracle was enabled because of her, of her neighbor's empty vessels. She was delivered because of the empty vessels and her instruction to obey, which she did. Then a few weeks ago, Pastor Sam and, and Dave, they'll know because they stole all my tissues. I didn't need them. But for those that were there, Pastor Tim MacDonald preached a message that if you, if you were there, you would not forget in a hurry. Everything about that message was showing a community the face of Jesus through the love of our actions. It was, a being, it was about being available with what you have, and it was about showing the love of Christ. That same love that we feel from Jesus, we need to push out to somebody else. It may not shift them out of their current situation, but what it does do is it gives them an opportunity to shift themselves towards Jesus. It's that Christ-like engagement that he called us to have with our community, moving people towards Christ. So hopefully you can see the leaning that God has had towards our church, the leaning that he's extended onto the leaders that have preached messages for our church. Hopefully you can see that he's been preparing our leaders, and if he's preparing our leaders, he's preparing his people. Hopefully you can see that he's been preparing all of us, you and me, to move with him and to move those who don't know him towards him. There has to be that, that end goal. There's got to be that driver of let's bring him towards Jesus. Let's show them Jesus. God's message to me many months ago is his message to you this morning. You will bring my people to me through your impact as a people. How do I know that this is God's message? Well, I've given you that recap. But to show you more so, I'm not part of message planning. In fact, when Sam phoned me, I didn't even know what the theme was that was being preached right then. I arrive here, I love this place. I don't go onto the website and have a look at what theme. Okay, I'm going to arrive for that one. I didn't know what the theme was. Sam didn't say, this is what you've got to preach on. He didn't say, these are your parameters. We've got two massive productions. Somebody had to fill the gap, and that was me. I'm going to leave the rest to you, but I think you get the picture. It didn't only start then. It started months ago. The beginning of the year when I started to ask God, how do we grow? Silence. He then spoke. Then Sam phoned. And then God started to breathe on a decade-old message that I had all mixed up. So when you look at what God's been preparing in our leaders, the messages that have been delivering into us, and God's planning from a decade ago that somebody that was just plugging a gap, this message has got nothing to do with me. This is God's message for you, for us. God's timing is right now. And he will do, do it by, by using us and what we have. So when he calls, when we call, when we say we need to do, and you say, I've got nothing but a jug of oil, we'll bring it and know that it will be sufficient. Know that it's going to be used.
Because this is God's timing. This is God's plan. So during 2020, we're heading on a journey. We've seen this for months, and I'm delivering a message today. This is a journey that, that we're on as a community that ushers in the Holy Spirit, that people on this peninsula know that God is dwelling within them. Know that that is the journey for 2020. This is is not just about the Christmas hamper appeal where we need people's jugs of oils and empty vessels. We need your time. We need your hands. Yes, we need that. But this is about our journey as a church and what we're going to achieve. I'm not going to detail what it looks like today. But that ask will come and know that you have a vessel that will bring somebody out of Egypt. Can you think your Tupperware is going to deliver somebody out of their Egypt? It will. So bring it. And when they arrive at our front door, know that we celebrate. Know that we do it while we've had so many confirmations of how well we do community, how well people arrive. We've had pastor families arrive that haven't left. We've had people that have walked in not knowing Jesus, knowing that this is where they need to be. We do it well. God is so clever. So, so clever. Pats you on the back, raises your confidence, and then says, right, hold on, mate, because the journey's only getting started. Take confidence, City Point Redcliffe, because our journey is coming, and it's now. So today as we sit there, you may not know what it's like to be celebrated. You may not even know what it's like to be loved. You may be yearning and and really longing for community, for someone, for something. Know that the Father has prepared the fattened calf. That is Jesus. Know that he has prepared a community, his people. For you, for this moment, Perhaps you don't know why you're sitting here. Perhaps you do. Perhaps there's that gap. And I hope that this morning you see that that gap is Jesus. Maybe you know of Jesus. Maybe you think you've got it all together and maybe you have. But perhaps this morning you know, I've got it all together. I just need Jesus. Join us on our our journey because this is God's community. This is God's people. And the message from him today is today I celebrate with you. So if we can just all close our eyes. I want to give an opportunity to people this morning because I know God's heart is to celebrate with his children when they come back to be in relationship with him, to feel whole, to feel the love of a father. I want to give an opportunity to, for people to be re- reunited with a father and to feel the unreserved love and acceptance and to be welcomed home. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. 
we also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.